Welcome, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Brother Jimmy Fortunato, and you're listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Baptist Church in Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at pilgrimbaptist.church. 2 Timothy, chapter number 2. Where are we at? We are at verse number 22. 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verse 22. The Bible says, Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender stripes. Let's bow and go to the Lord in prayer before we dive into this verse. Heavenly Father, we do thank You for all the blessings You bestowed upon us. We ask Your blessing over the proclamation of Your Word tonight. Thank You for giving us Your Word. Thank You for sending Your Son to die on the cross for our sins. We do thank You for the many blessings You've given us here at Pilgrim Baptist as we endeavor to serve You in our new church plant. Lord, we ask You to build Your church. Use me, use all the saints here to do a mighty work for Your kingdom. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Well, we left off at the word righteousness. And we're seeing what God wants us to put on. He tells us to flee also youthful lusts. We saw last Sunday when we preached on verse number 21 and 20, um, our vessel, our bodies, what are we going to use it for? Honor or dishonor? And so God says, hey, don't use it dishonorably, use it honorably. Here's what I want you to flee, and here's what I want you to follow after. And he gives us contrasts, well, all through the Bible, but specifically in this, in this text. If you back up to verse 17, you see, here's who you got to stay away from. Hymenaeus and Philetus. We preached about how we all have Hymenaeus and Philetus in our life, and we, we, we need to stay on the foundation of God. He, he shows us in verse number 19. And so we see all of these contrasts. And God gives us a clear path. Follow righteousness. And then he says faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. You don't have to turn there. Um, but the Bible says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things unseen. So what is faith? You can't see it. We're saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So anytime somebody throws up something that you can see, it's not salvation. It's not baptism. You can see it. Oh, a good deed. Well, you can see that. I'm a, I'm a member of this church. Well, you can see that. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Uh, let's go over to Romans chapter 4. And we might as well get to Hebrews as well. Get Hebrews 11. Romans 4. Verse number 1. What shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh hath found? 
For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. You and I can do some works and we might be able to glory in that to our neighbor or we might be able to glory in that to our workmates or we might be able to glory in that to our social network of friends. But not before God. Not going to happen. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. God credited it to his account. You didn't have it. Abraham didn't have that to his account. He had a debit. He didn't have it credited. Believe God and he had it credited to his account. Righteousness. Verse 4. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. You want to work your way to heaven? Not grace. You won't have any credit to your count of righteousness. But I do a lot of good works. Compared to who and compared to what? You can't work your way to heaven. It's going to be a debt. You're going to come up short. You're going to owe God. And you're not going to have enough good works to pay it off. And you're going to be in debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth which is Christ Jesus the Lord, the only one that can justify you, the only one that can make you righteous, he can credit your account. You wake up in the morning, you check your bank account online, and all of a sudden you see a credit there for a million dollars. Wow. <laughs> Where'd that come from? That's God. You get saved and that's your account. It was credited to your account. You didn't do anything to earn it. You couldn't work for it. And God credits your account. He gives you his righteousness. His faith is counted for righteousness. So you're saved. Everybody's saved the same way. By God's grace. Through faith. In the Lord Jesus Christ. God's grace saves us. We put our faith in something that we cannot see. Now, let's get Hebrews 11. Now, faith, verse 1, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We already went over that. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, 
God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Which, by the way, here's a little verse in Scripture that shows us after his translation, he was better off. We look at the Bible, what it says, and we run uh, the verses on translated. Enoch was better off after he was translated. We've got God's word. Well, it's been through translations and it's this and it's that. Well, we can open up a Bible that has, it's bound. All, the, all of it's there. We don't have to collect manuscripts. And it has chapters. So we can say, turn to Hebrews, keep your finger in 2 Timothy. Is it the same? It is. But did you, if you ever tried to read a Greek manuscript, all the letters are going to be in all lowercase. There's not going to be any chapters, no verse breaks, none of that. We have something that we can work with a lot easier. Same words, God's word. We can work with it so much easier. It's a translation. We're better off with it. And then verse number six says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Why did Jesus Christ come? To save sinners. He came to seek and save that which was lost. He's the initiator. Without the wooing and the drawing of the Holy Spirit, none of us would seek God. The initiation is with God. He came to seek and save that which was lost. We all have enough light where we can know God. We can seek God. But without faith, if you, want, if you want to find a way to not please God, just don't have faith. This is why it's so hard for people to get saved. They can't see any of the things that we tell them that they have to believe. Jesus Christ, who's that? I never met him, never seen him. Died on a cross of Calvary. Okay, where's Calvary? Where's this cross? I don't see it. He shed his blood. Really? Come on. Who's got the viral video on that? And then he rose again after three days? Come on. I don't believe that. All the things that we ask people to believe by faith are all things that they can't see, they won't see ever. But why do we believe it? By faith. By faith. By faith. We can't see any of it. But we believe it. That's how God's pleased. By faith. you got to believe that he is. Alright, go back to Romans 5. Therefore, verse number 1. 
being justified by faith. Justified means you're absolved from guilt. You're accepted as righteous on account of the merit of Christ Jesus. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The only way we're absolved from guilt is we're justified by faith. Isn't it a wonder that God says, hey, flee these things, stay away from these false teachers, and follow after, what does he say? Righteousness, we looked at that this morning, faith. Stop following after all the stuff you can see and follow after the things that you can't see. Me. <laughs> you can't see God. I can't see God. Faith. The stuff you can't see. You know, people, if you're a teacher, you've got to work around everybody's requirements on how they have to be taught. And in jujitsu, you know, you teach it, and I'm a hands-on learner. I don't want to see nothing. I don't want to, don't talk to me about nothing. Just get me out there and let me start swinging the hammer. <laughs> let me start drilling the move. Let me start putting the board up. That's how I learn. Other people, they're visual. They got to see it. Other people... They want to sit down and read and think through it, process it, and then they get it. Well, that's three different ways right there on how people learn. God says, just believe on me. You don't have to see nothing. Just believe by faith. Just believe by faith. The more that we require something to see, the less we rely on faith. The struggle with church planning is that church planning is not like a decade-old church or two or three or four decade-old church where you go in and it's established. There's deacons. There's elders. The real high church ones have bishops. There's established leadership. There's roots that are deep. And we've all, you know, there's the pillars of the church, you know, the ones that have been there. And it's established. People walk in and they see that it's established. And when they see that, they feel, I, I, I want to be here. Completely different than a church plant. Because people come in, they don't see nothing. <laughs> there ain't nothing going on, man. It's a couple of people, a group of new Christians that are not new Christians, just new as they're getting to know each other. And only a couple of us really know each other real well. Everybody else, it's like, everyone's still doing their dog sniff with church planning. Everyone's still, there's nothing to see. It's all by faith. Now that's who you want. You want the people that are, really trust in the Lord by faith for him to show us something, for him to do something. Yeah, but I can go to XYZ church and they, they've got the same Bible, the same preaching, the same. Yep, you can. And there ain't nothing wrong with that. 
But the question I oppose is, why are you there? We need to be more faith-living Christians instead of, I got to see something. You go out on a new journey. You don't know what you're going to come across. You go by faith. A missionary goes to a foreign field. He doesn't know, know anybody. He doesn't know anybody. Doesn't know the culture. Doesn't know the people. He's going by faith. You know, you and I, we have the same vacation planned out every year. We know how much the gas is going to cost, how much the miles are, how much the hotel is going to try to overcharge us for, so we can barter them down. We know what restaurants we're going to go to. And there's nothing wrong with that. We're planning our life to make the best use of our time. I'm not. I mean, I do it, but. We can't forget by faith. God wants us to follow after righteousness. He wants us to follow after faith. We don't always have to see something to believe it. Next, he says what? Charity. Let's go to 1 Corinthians on that one. Probably figured that out. What does charity do? Let's go to verse. Uh, let's go to chapter eight, First Corinthians chapter eight, and the end of verse number one. The Bible says, First Corinthians chapter eight, verse number one: Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. What's more important, knowledge or charity? If you rattle your brain, you're going to think about someone you know or someone you've known that knows a lot of Bible, that knows a lot of truth. But they don't have charity. What would you rather have? A friend that has charity or a friend that knows everything with no charity? What would you rather have? A spouse that is a know-it-all or a spouse that has charity? Well, I'm going to choose charity. <laughs> we know how to choose it on the receiving end, right? You want a friend that has charity, not knowledge, because he's going to get like a hot balloon. He's going to get puffed up. It's a danger. First Corinthians chapter 13. Watch this. Verse number one. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. God calls people that have all the answers <clears throat> that have the faith to move mountains. He says, you're nothing, man. You're nothing if you don't have charity. Nothing. And if we can get to that point, we can actually do something real, real profitable for the Lord. Verse number eight. Well, let's keep going. Uh, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. This is God just wiping people out with 
their ego problem. Well, I'm a Christian and I give. Do you know how much money I give to the church? Do you know how much I do for this organization? Do you know that I'd be willing to have my body be burned? For... And God says, if you've got charity, you're nothing. You're nothing. It profiteth me nothing. Verse 4, charity suffereth long. You get a sore tooth, you'll put up it for, for a short time, <laughs> and then you go to the dentist. As long as you don't end up in some Boland town where there is no, there is, you don't want it. You don't want just anybody working on your tooth and you're suffering with the toothache. You want somebody to take care of it. And God says, charity suffereth long. You got a toothache. You got to suffer through a trial. You got to suffer through a difficult person. God says, charity will help you through it. Charity suffereth long. And then it says, I don't know why this is so hard for some Christians. Charity is kind. We should be kind to people. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. I was wiped out a few uh, words ago. This is a tough list. It's a tough list. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. I think I can do that. Beareth all things. I don't think I can do that. <laughs> Believeth all things. Well, I think I might be able to do that. Hopeth all things. Maybe. Endureth all things. I don't think I can do that. Do you go through the list the same way I go through the list? I'm struggling with that one. That's a tough one to live up to. Oh, I'm doing good on that one. And then you puffed up. Charity never faileth. If it never fails, then why don't we strive to have more of it? I believe God's word. I believe every word of the Bible. I'm not going to change it or alter it or correct it. I just really won't obey it when it comes to a verse that I need to work on. Like believing God's promise that charity never will fail. I don't know what to do in this situation. Well, have charity. Why? Because the Bible says charity never faileth. Take the position where you have to suffer long. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. We know in part, we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part. But then shall I know even as I, even as also I am known and now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. I have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I have I, my home is in heaven. My hope is in the Lord. God says the greatest of these three which are very, all very, very important. Charity. 
Interesting. First Corinthians, let's go verse one in chapter 14. And so here's what he says to follow after the same thing he says in second Timothy chapter two, follow after charity. Now, who's ready to take on Monday with following after charity? It's a tough thing. It's, a, it's, a, it's an easier thing to teach, a tougher thing to live. Turn over to 1 Corinthians 16. We'll stay on charity. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse number 14. Do I really have to do it all the time? Can't I just, I mean, I heard the message and well, I guess we're on that verse right now this week. I guess I'll try to do it this week. And uh, well, let's see what 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 14 says. Let all your things be done with charity. That pretty much settles it. Let all your things be done with charity. Tough verse. All right, let's get um, two more on charity. Let's get Colossians chapter 3 and 1 Peter chapter 4. We'll do Colossians chapter 3. This is what God tells us to follow after. It's a good idea to run some verses on these things so we can get a bigger picture and help have, have God's Word help us. Colossians chapter 3, verse number 11. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, what's, what things? Being kind. What things? Being humble. What things? Being meek. What things? Being long-suffering. What things? Be forbearing one another. What things? Forgiving one another. What things? Forgiving. Above all. These things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Put on charity. Above all, put on charity. First Peter chapter 4. I'd rather just let somebody have it. I'd rather just tell somebody off. I'd rather just... I, I, I got a chip on my shoulder and I'm going to let the next person know it. All right. It's fun to do. <laughs> I mean, I like to do that sometimes too. But it's not really charity. There's a time and place for everything. It seems to be that charity, there's always a time and place for that. First Peter chapter 4, verse number 8. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. There's the elixir that cures 
the multitudes of fights and the multitudes of sins and the multitudes of jumps and all the... We got such a sweet spirit in our small little church plant right now. It's great. I love it. It's wonderful. We should praise God and keep praising Him. But who knows? Maybe next year at this time, there'll be a different spirit. You know what the cure is? Charity shall cover the multitude of sins. There's problems amongst brothers and sisters in Christ. Charity's the cure. Put on charity. It doesn't mean avoid handling a situation. It doesn't mean ignore problems. It doesn't mean don't take the bull by the horns and handle the thing. It just means don't forget about charity. <laughs> That's in the Bible too. All right. That enough on charity? It is for me. Peace. The happiness of heaven. That's what peace is. Calm. A calm deme demeanor. That's peace. A mind that is free from disturbances, free from worldly distractions. That's what peace is. God's given us peace. Peace. Proverbs 12. Let's go there. Proverbs chapter 12. Proverbs chapter 12, verse number 20. Deceit is in the heart of them that imagine evil. But to the counselors of peace is joy. A lot of problems can be solved with peace. They have peace treaties. The hippies and the guys that grew up in the 60s. Peace, man. Peace. Some of them still do that. And some of them do this, you know, hang loose, man. What are they saying? I come in peace. You know, the handshake. The fist bump. All of that says, I come in peace. I come in peace. This principle in Proverbs, deceit is in the heart to them that imagine evil. A counselor of peace needs to arrive. A counselor that you want to solve a marital problem, you want to solve a family problem, you want to solve a church problem, you want to solve a community problem. You want, somebody's got to come in as a counselor of peace. And then that brings joy. But to the counselors of peace is joy. But when deceit is in the heart, people just imagine evil. Hard verses to deal with. But we all need to ask ourselves, what's in our heart? Deceit? Evil? Maybe we need the Prince of Peace to counsel us, to give us some joy. That's how we get true joy. And then the Bible says, a pure heart. And we'll get 1 Peter chapter 1. Not an evil heart, not a deceitful heart. But he desires to have, for us to have a pure heart. We're looking at verse 22. We're running what the Bible says, what God wants us to follow after. He wants us to follow righteousness, faith, charity, and the last, uh, and, and peace. And peace. Um, peace, or, or uh, wait, we did peace. I'm sorry. Charity, peace, 
with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So you don't want to have somebody call on the Lord just because they know that that's the answer they're supposed to give. That's why we need to be careful when we're, when we're dealing with children especially so we don't have a false conversion. They want to please adults. We want them to be saved, but we want them to call on the Lord out of a pure heart, not out of a, I'm just doing this to please mom, to please dad, to please the preacher. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 22. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. That would be a great spirit to have in a marriage, in a home, in a church, among brothers and sisters in Christ. External conduct is not a pure heart. External conduct is appreciated. We all learn social mannerisms and social graces, right? We get in the car and we go to church and we are putting on our best behavior. And we should. We go out in public to a restaurant, we're going to put on our best behavior and our best manners. Because we don't want people out in public to see that we have bad manners or that we're rude. And we should do that. There's nothing wrong with external behavior or external conduct. But that isn't a pure heart. That's not what we're talking about. Outward conformity to rules and outward conformity to commands isn't what the Bible talks about as a pure heart. If you've raised children or if you're raising children or if you've been around children you know that they can do what you ask them to do. They can conform. That doesn't mean their heart's pure about it. It might just mean they're going to do it because they're going to get a reward. It might just mean they're going to do it because they don't want a negative consequence. Hmm. Desserts coming in about an hour. I think I'll do the dishes and act like I'm happy about it. Yeah, that's what I'll do. You're thankful the kid's doing the dishes, but that's not a pure heart. Hmm. I see that on Pinterest. The old man will be home in about an hour and it's payday. Maybe I'll get spruced up a little bit. There'll be something that'll get him motivated to buy what I saw on Pinterest. That's not out of a pure heart. Hmm. Well, the southern expressions I don't really get. We have the guy was doing work at the property and his girlfriend came over to bring him lunch one day. And I, don't know. I thought it was rude, but apparently it isn't rude. He, I pull back in and he says, uh, yeah, this is, the, this is the homeowner. I want you to meet my old lady. I think an old lady, she's like 22. They're young kids. What is this? This is my old lady. I guess it's a southern thing, but apparently it isn't a rude expression. I That would not go over well if I said that. The old man and the old lady, but you know, the, the guy says, uh, hmm, 
I should probably start being nice to her because in about another week, Lowe's is putting on a sale. And I really don't want to have any strife when I tell her I want to buy this tool and that gadget and this. So I'm going to be nice to the old lady. Yeah. That's not a pure heart. That's a heart that's filled with tweaking and deceiving and trying to situate things so that they work in your favor. But it isn't a pure heart. Men do it. Women do it. Children do it. Church people do it. Community people do it. Everybody does it. They roll the dice and they do an external behavior because they want a result from somebody else. And that's not a pure heart. We all can use work on that. Performance of rituals, conformity to rules, obeying commands doesn't mean it's out of a pure heart. God wants us to love one another with a pure heart fervently. There's no sale at Lowe's. There's nothing. There's no reason for you to be nice to your spouse, but just you're going to do it out of a pure heart. The Pinterest or the sale or whatever it is that, that the ladies look at and want, none of that's there. You're just going to be nice out of a pure heart, not because you want X or the guy wants X or the kids want something. We need to learn to love one another fervently with a pure heart regardless because God says it. How do we do that? I don't know. I can't do it all the time. <laughs> we get in His Word and we try to seek after Him. All right, we'll finish up last part of the verse. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing that they do gender stripes. This means they don't edify anybody. No one is edified. There are stupid things to fight over. There are stupid things to talk about. There's things that can't be settled. There's things that don't matter for eternity. So why create a spirit of harshness? Why create a spirit of contention? And let's talk about points that have real importance. How can God be without a beginning? We can just entertain these types of questions on and on and on and it'll just create contention. If He never began, I guess He hasn't begun then. If He doesn't have a beginning. How's that going to edify anybody? It's unlearning questions. All it's going to do is create strife. Knowing that they do gender stripes. These types of unlearned questions and these types of things that people just want to stay on and stay on and stay on, it just breeds strife. It breaks peace. It hinders the profits of souls. And it hinders the progress of the gospel. Instead, why don't we put on righteousness, faith, charity, peace, and let's try to have pure hearts for what we do before the Lord. Would you bow with me in prayer, please? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. I do pray that we are all able to apply these items to our lives 
and be able to follow after the things you want us to follow after. A bit of a tough message to be able to live, but it is in your word. And we do ask that you help us this week in our everyday lives. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks a bunch for listening. For more information about Pilgrim Baptist Church, be sure to visit us online at pilgrimbaptist.church, where you can also send me a personal message or learn more about joining us for a church service. And remember, Christ is all.